Welcome to another episode of Artistry, where art meets industry. We are your hosts, Rochelle Etienne Robinson and Stan Substantial Robinson. Peace, everyone, and Peace. welcome to another episode of Artistry, where art meets industry. We are your hosts, again, Rochelle Etienne Robinson and this guy, Peace. Stan Substantial Robinson. Good to see y'all. Today, I know it's been a while, so thank you guys for joining us. Um, today, we have a special guest, a dear friend. Um, she is an artist, an illustrator. She is an entrepreneur. She is a writer. Please welcome to the show. Our guest today is Kenya Danino. Kenya, welcome. Peace, Queen. How Peace. are you? Hello. Hey, hey. Thank you so Good much for joining us today. We are so excited to learn more about your creative journey and your latest projects that you have. You guys have some exciting work that we want to share with folks. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go right into it. First and foremost, I want to say, how are you? Genuinely, how are you? And more important, how have you how has your last year and a half been with this pandemic? I'm doing all right right now. The last few years have been crazy, but in a good way. Um, I mean, we went through a lot, like my whole entire family and I, we went through a lot these past couple of years. And it really got me thinking about um, a lot of things that I wanted to talk about for a while in, mm. in story form and in art form. And I decided that like this, this uh, time was the time to do it, especially in a time where most of us are coping with, uh, with a lot of um, loss and, and difficulties. I think uh, the, the artwork that I'm doing right now is actually like um, shedding shedding some light on that so yeah yeah it, it's been it's been a, a wild ride <laughs> for the past couple of days and and months but you know taking it in stride great right. great the helmet is fire by by the way <laughs> you know okay we out here just having conversation like you, you don't have this amazing work of art on your head right now you know can before we continue can you can you tell us about like the helmet oh yeah absolutely so this uh helmet is very symbolic of like my favorite creature, the fox, but also the main character in a story that I'm developing currently uh, called Animal Arithmetic, which mm -hmm. Dan and I are co-working on right now. Um, yes, <laughs> <laughs> Animal uh, Arithmetic is like my biggest uh, dream project. Like that's my passion baby. And the helmet actually comes from um, an artist uh, named Garuda Workshop. Mm -hmm. uh, she envisions a lot of different spirit animals in like more more or less a helmet, high tech sci-fi kind of form. And that's exactly what I was looking for. And I was like, you know what? If I'm going to rebrand myself with the fox more often, I'm going to do it this way because this just looks cool. So awesome. shout out to Garuda Workshop for this. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. For sure. So near and dear to my heart, a fellow uh, Queens native. Now, I, re I read that you are from Queens. Are you from Queens originally? Yeah. Born in Elmhurst. Born and raised. Born and raised. Yeah. Nice. Same like me. Mm. Born in Rosedale. Represent, represent. Oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, tell us all about your family. Tell us about, is your family from New York originally? No, actually, my family's from down south, South Carolina, Orangeburg, South Carolina. Oh, wow. uh, a lot of us, we shifted into different parts of, of the United States. Like some of some of my family is still down south. Some of them are in um, North Carolina, some in Georgia. A lot of us are in New York now. We also have a, a uncle and an aunt in Maryland. So, yeah. Oh. That's hey, awesome. That's what's up. That's what's up. Mm -hmm. We're part of Maryland. You know, <laughs> we got we got we like to get Don't specific. Don't ask me because right? I'm directionally oh. challenged. Okay. <laughs> the last time we visited them was probably like mm, I want to say four years ago. And that okay. was my first time meeting that uncle. Believe it or not. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Like our family's like way out there. Like there's some members of my family I haven't even met yet. Right. Wow. 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 So in regards to your art, what do you remember your first introduction into the arts? Mm. And it could be music, it could be visual arts. What was your first introduction? Okay. Well, I've been 
drawing, like actually drawing ever mm -hmm. since middle school, I actually had a thing where I was really jealous of the majority of my family because they could dance and I can't, might have something to do with being directionally challenged. <laughs> um, so I actually took dance class first um, and my dance teacher would always see me drawing these things. And at the time I was really obsessed with like Neopets and things of that, that generation, like mm -hmm. those little small games that you play on the internet when you were a kid in the nineties. In the early 2000s so i went from there and then my dance teacher recommended me to the art teacher and was like she is phenomenal like she's a hard worker but this is clearly her passion she needs to go here and from there things just kind of took off i entered a lot of contests um as a kid i went to the high school of art and design and took mm -hmm. up cartooning and animation as like a mini major because the school is set up that way where you can do that. And um, and then I took that with me into uh, Boston College. And it was in Boston College that I started getting really into the arts industry. Uh, I had my first internship ever with a studio called Soup to Nuts in Watertown, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And they, at the time, were creating um, shows for PBS Kids. So I actually got to intern on the show Word Girl. And that mm -hmm. was like the, the big introduction to like animation in general. And I was also interested in children's books at the time. Um, so that's where actually this image came from. Because when I was um, looking for work, in college, I was creating my own website. And at first I was catering to the children's book, like the industry. Mm -hmm. So I made this illustration because I love boxes. It's always like, that's always been my spirit animal. Um, the animal that I like most relate to. And I also study a lot of like animal behavior. Mm -hmm. I, used, I used to be a, um, a pre-med major. So I went into biology mm -hmm. and I actually took animal behavior as an elective. Um, wow. And yeah, I merged that with my love of like children's book illustrations and quirky cartoons, and that's how it started. Wow. 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 You know, you're one of the few people that I know that still, <laughs> you know, a lot of us go to college and um, you pursue your career. You, inst while at Boston College, you studied um, African diaspora studies, creative writing, as well as studio art. And you are incorporating all of those things in your current project, which we'll talk more about. But talk to us more about your experience at Boston, in Boston. Okay. Boston was a wild, wild, wild ride. Um, I want to say I got into both like professional arts and music while at Boston College, mm -hmm. because Boston College had a very little small choir uh, called the Voices of Imani. And I was like very interested in, in actually auditioning for the choir. I know that my mom and my grandmother used to sing in a choir and like I'm, I'm spiritual folk. So it resonated with me that there was this very small humble group on campus, like just dedicated to like speaking the word in song. And I was like, all right, I, I like, I have to join this choir. Through joining that choir, that's how I ended up taking the African diaspora um, wow. major minor. Um, and one of the professors was actually the leader of the choir. And his, his, name, his name was Professor Chauncey. I will never forget this guy. He mm. was a character, um, but also he knew his stuff. And he had a whole class called Gospel According to Hip Hop, Blues and Jazz. And that's oh. like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you don't see that. <laughs> Not right. in Boston. <laughs> right. That's dope. Right. So like right off the bat, this guy became my favorite professor. And we like everything just kind of took off from there. Like every every uh, branch of music that I learned about and learned about in depth that mm -hmm. came from the African diaspora, like that all just like literally Boston College, that experience was a whole melting pot of where I like where I am now. It wow. just like kind of seasoned itself along the years. Yeah. Wow. You know, take us back to um, you had mentioned about your internship um, where you got to work on Word Girl. Um, take us to your first 
freelance job and what experience and what lessons that you learned through that whole process? Mm, okay. My first freelance job was doing character designs mm. for a company. I don't think they're around anymore, but it was a very small publishing company called um, Penny Farthing Press. They were developing a kid's show called Lock, and it was kind of about the Loch Ness Monster. Mm -hmm. So they had me do character designs for like mermaids and sea creatures for the show. And it was actually really cool. Um, I'd never done like character design before, but it's always been like my dream starting out as Maybe. a kid to do character design for an animation studio. So that was my first taste of that as a as a freelancer. And it, it wasn't a lot, but to a, a kid that's literally fresh out of college, it was a big deal. Um, and then after that, it opened the door to working out of the US because Penny Farthing had a, a partnership, if you will, with a studio in India called Bluebells Animation. Mm. And Bluebells later hired me to do character designs for a, a kid's TV show called um, Gopher and Kid. And I guess like animals were just a thing that people came to me for. Uh, so that that's how I like it happened. But those were like the two very first freelance opportunities that I got doing character design. Wow, wow. Yeah, one of the other things um, that like you know outside of the uh character design you know one of the things that you do that's really interesting as well is you design a lot of different um like merchandise you know i know you've done that for other companies but you've done really well for yourself actually um doing um you know enamel pins and a wide variety of other things for yourself so kind of tell us how that um came about like what led you to that oh okay so I think the first opportunity that led me into uh, discovering the realm of being a promotional um, artist, like just artists that do merchandise and promo stuff, mm -hmm. was a contest that I had entered for the former We Love Fine. Now I think it's called um, For Fans, um, By Fans. Mm -hmm. uh, they put out a contest for uh, a design to have official how to train your dragon to merchandise made. Mm -hmm. And one of the designs that I put out there because I love how to train your dragon. It's a great movie. Chris Sanders was like the first, uh, the first artist that I was like in awe of and like literally tried to get to know. And he was, he was actually the first person to encourage me to keep going with, um, with character design when I reached out to him. But that design that I entered in the contest actually won and it was placed on t-shirts and nice. like I could say like, oh my goodness, I actually made like something like it was a fan art, but it turned out to be official merch and it was really kind of cool. And then after that, a um, couple of years later, an opportunity presented itself to me for Soho Press in, mm -hmm. in New York mm -hmm. and um, a writer and an illustrator named Robert Rapino, he was making a book series called the D-Arc series. And it was kind of like Animal Farm to the extreme. And I love dystopian literature and I love Animal Farm. So right. he, he um, saw my work and asked Soho Press to contact me to make a promotional um, poster for the book to have their pet like made into a character to be put in the series. So um, I made that poster and that poster kind of blew up because the book expo or the book con in New York actually displayed it like huge on a banner in the wow. center. That was the first time I was like, whoa, okay. Like, <laughs> I'd never seen that before. That's My awesome. work was always like behind the scenes. Like it was mm -hmm. never like printed on a giant banner. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, like, yeah, that, that kind of opened my eyes and I'm like, I want to do more of that. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's awesome. That, like, that's where it started. And then I decided, like, okay, I'm going to, you know, do my own thing as well as reach out to people to see if this is something that they would potentially want. So something that I noticed over the years, um, 
especially during uh during the hard months of the pandemic when it started mm -hmm. people were missing out on cons like mm -hmm. conventions like that that whole culture was just like everyone wanted it but they couldn't have it because covid was like like the roadblock to stopping everything from happening uh safely so all the whole entire fan base for conventions went mm -hmm. online and started supporting uh, small businesses and small artists who were starting up. And one thing that I noticed was that people really like to collect uh, merchandise, like the collector's uh, mentality rose up again. Like mm -hmm. once upon a time, it was like, uh, it was almost like looked upon as silly. They're like collecting like coins and stuff. But now, collecting pins is like a major thing and like when you collect pins some of the pins that you collect depending on how exclusive you make them mm -hmm. can go for hundreds of dollars resold wow. so right. it's almost like if you kept jewelry in your drawer for a hard time pins are now that type of thing <laughs> right um but it also gave artists an outlet to start making uh, income during the rough months of the pandemic yeah. and kind of express their, their style in doing so. So what I do on my store for the, um, the Fox box is I have an account also called Graphbox on Instagram. What I do is I actually make pins in my style of both original ideas and um fan art ideas from from different like anime and cartoons that people like and mm -hmm. uh, i guess a lot of people really like love the designs because they were unique mm -hmm. uh, and they just kind of took off from there and the majority of of um business that i've gotten from from just doing these pins have been able to kind of fund all of the other things that I wanted to do for the longest time. So it it worked out because people really like the pins and then they discover right. my art through the pins. Yeah, that, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, your work is, um, you know, from the merchandise to your um, original art, like it's just amazing. And one of the things I really admire about you, um, you know, you truly have like your own style, right? Like when I look at your stuff, it's like, it's not hard to, uh, to figure out, I'm like, Oh, I know who did that. That's Katie resort hands down. And, um, and it doesn't matter, um, what IP, uh, you're, you're, um, drawing or illustrating, like I can always see your style. So could you talk a little bit about that? Like, you know, how did you, um, you know, we ask musicians all the time or like, um, uh, or writers, like how they found their voice. Like, how did you find your style, your style of art? Oh man, <laughs> that took years, years. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was, it's more so like that artistic journey where you're trying to figure out not only where you like belong in the, mm -hmm. in the art realm, like, like where, where you can see yourself working professionally, mm -hmm. It also takes like, all right, who are you as a person and what do you want? Like, what do you want to use to like represent you in your style? Like what will scream Katie Fox? Um, so it went from my interest being in children's books, which it still is, but it like, what I really wanted to do is tell stories about the real. So my style had to look more real. And to me, real is, more like in your face, geometric shapes, um, hard, like sh heavy shadow, something that demands your attention. So my style right. kind of shifted from something that was cartoony and kiddish to mm -hmm. something that's angular and full of energy and absolutely grabs your attention. So that's like, right. but either way that you look at it, because I've used about maybe four different types of styles for many years. I guess people say they can tell like, all right, I know KD drew this because it looks like this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing it for a while. Yeah, I was uh, before we got on the show, I was saying that your your style of drawing reminds me of like fluid, like water 
liquid and fire at the same mm -hmm. time, you know, with the sharp edges, like you said, with the geometric shapes, but then there's a lot of movement in, in your art as well. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you've uh, mentioned earlier that, you know, you've created character design, you know, merchandise design, promotional illustrations. You worked on a, a, a very popular um, a show called Miraculous Ladybug. Um, what would you say is your medium of choice? What are, what's on your, what are the tools? What are your tools of choice okay. that you use? All right. So tools of choice. I alternate between digital and mm -hmm. traditional tools. When it comes to traditional things, I love ink. Mm. Like just ink, black and white stands out to me. Like I, I it's not that I despise color, <laughs> but <laughs> whenever I'm like drawing, I always, always just love starting with the lines. And sometimes I love the idea of an unfinished artwork rather than a finished one, just right. because I can see the lines. I don't know. There's beauty in the lines. That's, that's what I could say. Um, but let's see. I'll oh, see now. Look, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> so digital, like for digital, what ah, do you thank use? You. Thank well. you. <laughs> uh, for digital, I I use um, Clip Studio Paint. Like Clip Studio Paint is really great for people who are um, who are comic and manga artists too, because they have a lot of tools for that, as well as the the software is just able to make much cleaner lines than Photoshop, just way mm. clean. Um, I use Clip Studio Paint, and then I also alternate on the iPad using Procreate. Procreate <laughs> is also a really dope uh, program to use, like easy to use on the fly. Like it is as clean as Clip Studio Paint without all of those fancy features, but it has one of my favorite tools ever created, which is a chromatic aberration tool, which allows your stuff to look like the old style animations from back in the day. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's my favorite <laughs> tool to play with. But it also has a video playback feature along with Clip Studio Paint. They both have that. Mm -hmm. So I could always show my processes. Right. That's awesome. What was your favorite cartoon growing up? Ooh. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that's hard. <laughs> That's hard. But okay, top five. Top I mean, five. I can tell you my favorite anime because I wear maybe fifty <laughs> T-shirts with it. Cowboy nice. Bebop. Yeah. Nice. Oh, Cowboy, listen. It's a it's a a toss up between the three: uh, Cowboy Bebop, Samurai Champloo, and Soul Eater. Those are my three favorite, oh, yeah. favorite anime. That, that's a that's a solid list right there. I'm not <laughs> mad at that. You know, for a shout out to the, uh, you know my fellow Watanabe fans. You know. Um, how do you um, feel? You gonna no, say? Go ahead. I, know, I know what you're going to ask. Yeah, me. I was going to say, I was like, so, you know, since Cowboy Bebop came up and, you know, Cowboy Bebop's in the news right now, how do you, how are you feeling <laughs> about the, uh, the live action that they're working on um, that Netflix uh, just leaked um, photos from? Have you seen that? <laughs> I'm more interested in the, in the live action characters now, like the, the actors who are playing them because just recently um, phase um, character as like she she came out and and voiced her opinions on how the fans were like all right like she doesn't look like she does in the anime and she was like oh well boohoo like not all of us can wear tissue paper and film at the same time right. <laughs> like, i love her already like just, yeah. just meeting the cast is enough for me yeah. like yeah at first i had my doubts i'm i'm not gonna lie only because i really love I love animated features, like I'm sure. probably a little bit more than live action. It's just something that's personal. Mm -hmm. like, that's just a personal preference. However, with a deadly cast like this, yeah, I think this show is looking to be pretty good. And also, shout out to Yoko Kano for like mm -hmm. actually making the music for this. Yes, like, that's gonna get me to watch it. <laughs> yeah, and and they have uh, Watanabe. They consulted him as well. You know, that's so. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're off to a, a solid start. I'm like cautiously optimistic, Fingers you know, crossed. I do like the actors yeah. as well. I feel like they, they chose a really good <laughs> cast. And so, yeah, man, we'll, you know, we'll see. Hey, what, while we're talking to you about shows and stuff like that, 
um, a question we've been um, kicking around and we uh, want to start asking our guests because uh, we're thinking about doing some things in the future. Um, what was the first either it could be an animated show or it could be a live action um, thing like movie or TV show or documentary, um, or documentary where you saw um, your uh, like the profession that you now work in. Like you, you saw, like you saw someone who ultimately is who you became. Um, can you think of anything uh, that you remember seeing that influenced you? Hmm. Okay. Hmm. That's a good question. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. Only because like I have so many influence, but I've never been able to like pin it down. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. I might need to get back to you on that one. Yeah, no yeah. problem. No problem. Yeah, it's something we've been thinking about a lot because um, we're considering uh, like doing like um, recommendations and reviews strictly of, you know, um, films and uh, like documentaries or, or like TV shows that highlight different forms of art. Um, or artists, right? Or even something like, for example, the new Candyman movie, the main character okay. is is actually an artist. You know what I mean? So um, so we just kind of focus in on that because, you know, like here on Artistry, we obviously, we talk to a lot of professionals in the art and music um, uh, realm. And like, you know, it's important for us to see ourselves. So a lot of times I'm wondering mm -hmm. if guests can remember ever seeing themselves, like seeing an artist who, in, who you end up doing working in that profession, but yeah. you saw it in a movie or something like that. Because, for instance, I remember as a kid, it's, it's funny, we started talking about this now, but when I reflect back, I think of, for, for me, when I, I studied fashion at Pratt, mm -hmm. and so um, the two films that stand out to me is The Color Purple, mm -hmm. because Celie was a seamstress. She created yeah. the pants, you mm -hmm. know, towards the end of the movie. And then the, also the other one was Mahogany with Diana Ross, you know, she was a fashion designer who went to Italy and everything like that. So that, for me, was like one of the two films yeah. that stood out. But that's something that we definitely plan to continue to spark conversation with a lot of our guests. Yeah. And if you think of one, you know, maybe maybe we bring you back and we, we do like a review slash recommendation video together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Talking yeah. about, you know, talking about it in depth. But uh, but yeah, so. Um, you know, we uh, we know that you've been cooking up a lot of amazing content and um, yes. and you've been working on this one project, which I have the honor of being brought in um, and uh, <laughs> brought in on and working on with you. Uh, so let's talk about animal arithmetic a little bit. So uh, can you tell us, like, how did you how did that um, come to be? Like, how did you come up with the idea uh, to do that? OK. Animal arithmetic started out in its rawest form as poetry. Mm -hmm. uh, my college thesis that I was working on uh, last year, like senior year, uh, it was called Kingdom Animalia, the Poetry Bestiary. And because I was so interested in animal behavior, I kind of took that, rolled with it, and also met a lot of different people in my life that I wanted to write poetry about, but mm -hmm. also in relation to like how similar animals and people are, but like we always call ourselves a higher up being or a higher up species, but animals and, and people actually go through some of the same types of emotions. The reason why I resonated with the fox so much and why she's the main character is that what I learned about foxes is that one, they're mostly solitary creatures, especially the females. Um, and they are very, like at first when you meet them, they will easily trust you. But if you, if you kind of break that up by doing something that they don't like, it becomes very hard for them to trust anything down the road. Yeah. And I noticed like that, like I feel that kind of way sometimes too with some of the people that I've met in life. Sometimes I've met amazing people. Sometimes I meet people who are not so great. And it, it kind of shifts my, my way of thinking and it kind of makes me preserve more of myself inside. So when I created Animal Arithmetic or started to create it, I felt it felt like coming out of the box to let people know that 
yeah yes i am kind of the fox this is where i am mentally spiritually like i don't get to talk about it a lot because i'm not sure a lot of people understand mm-hmm. where i'm coming from in terms of um personal personal things and like how how i see the world and like how how i perceive things in the world differently than other people um my professor at the time her name was professor candace ivy she's actually a character in yeah. the in animal arithmetic her her motive if you will was a raven like she she uh, related to a raven and i asked her why and she said you know often people look at crows and ravens as bad things because of the color con- like the the color connotation of just being black instead of white one she was also from the south she was from south carolina too and then she and then she also mentioned something about how ravens actually fed a baby a promised baby in the bible but nobody talks about that at all like how that like that good can come out of something that's seen as something else mm-hmm. um and when she looked at my first musings which was actually like five dogs um painted on a wall she asked me what it was and i said well this is i feel like this is the progression of a human being but more so like the progression of myself and where like what i'm seeing and she asked me why dogs mm-hmm. and i told her you know, it's funny, people won't believe me when I say this, but my grandmother used to tell me all kinds of crazy stories growing up. And she always used to say that an insult that she she used to use with her brothers is you old dog. <laughs> and, right. and I'm like, well, why dogs? Like, why does it have to be dog? Right. <laughs> but what I did with that, because she would always tell those stories over and over again, is I actually made the dogs silhouettes. So they were actually like black outlined dogs, but mm-hmm. they colored in the further you got. And oh. it started with the with the domestic dog and then went to a coyote and then went mm-hmm. to a wolf and then went to a fox. And then the last stage was jackal. And she looked at the, the fox and the jackal and she says, well, where did, I know you identify with the fox, but do you see yourself as a jackal in the future? Because jackals um, have a lot of wisdom. Mm. And I said, you know what? I don't know. Because like they say ignorance is bliss sometimes. I think I like where I am right now mm-hmm. so that I have the ability to learn. And maybe when I'm older, I might be a jackal. So now Fox and Jackal have kind of been a thing that I've been wrestling with for a while. And then I decided to put that conflict in animal arithmetic where Fox is the main character and Jackal is actually one of the antagonists. Mm -hmm. But they both have very similar ways of looking at things. It's just two different ways of handling the world, if you will. All of the characters in animal arithmetic have a, a very interesting stance on people like and what's what they value in the world and what is of less value in the world and like the whole point of of animal arithmetic was to illustrate a equation if you will of a hodgepodge of different thinking people in a time where it seems like everything seems to be like going wrong what is there to salvage in a time like this that's that's what animal arithmetic is about Wow. wow. So when can we find out more? Yes. <laughs> Very soon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Extremely yeah. soon. Yeah, and for everyone who's watching um right now, um we have the uh the website listed in both the chat and across the screen. And if you're um you're listening to the podcast, um it's animalarithmetic.com. Be sure to check it out. Um some big announcements coming, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you want to share some of those announcements now, or we we're still kind of uh, in a holding pattern? Oh, we don't have to be in a holding pattern. All right. <laughs> All right. So, so let us know what you got cooking up. All right. So, the Animal Arithmetic Project is a manga and a music project by Stan and myself, 
what we are doing is we are creating a prequel manga so that you can find out how the characters first started. That's going to be a printed manga. Mm -hmm. And then this also comes with a album, a whole album, which features all the characters in the album, like with the talents of voice actors from mm -hmm. many different ranges of, of life and many different ranges of professionalism that I found on my journey and they are absolutely amazing. <laughs> I got, I can't wait to introduce the, those uh, voice actors to you as well, but also there are a, an incredible amount of talented musicians on this project as well. You guys mm -hmm. are going to love it. There's a lot of merchandise involved because I'm a merch queen. <laughs> yes. Everyone likes to, likes to collect artists. things. Uh, we, we're bringing the heat. We are yes. absolutely bringing the heat. And this whole project is going to drop on Kickstarter very soon. So be on the lookout. Follow my socials and stand socials for more details. Um, the Kickstarter is going to drop on September 19th, which is evidently my birthday. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> perfect so we're so excited for that i we're we're definitely looking forward to learning more i know stan you know has been keeping it hush hush but mm -hmm. i'm excited for you all because you guys have been working so hard so yeah it's gonna be good things to come good yeah, things to come for sure for sure and uh, it's virgo season you can't go wrong daughter. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So, um, and you saw, so just to uh, reiterate real quick, just so, um, in case anyone missed it, September 19th, besides being Kenya's birthday is also the launch of the Kickstarter campaign. Um, that's going to have a lot of great, um, things for you to, uh, support. Um, so yeah, we're definitely looking forward to that. Um, but until that happens, what, what are you currently, I mean, I know you're um, working hard on that, but you got any other things lined up, any conventions, things of that nature? Uh, yeah, I do. It's going to get busy soon. Well, we just finished um, Otakon, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. And we just finished Brooklyn Comic Con, too. Nice. Uh, but in October, I will also be at New York Comic Con in the Artist Alley, so you can find me there. And mm -hmm. I will also be at Anime NYC in November. So you can find me there in the Artist Alley as well. Awesome. Nice. nice. Awesome. We're going to transition a little bit. Um, I wanted to reflect um, on your career overall up until this point, right? So as you think back to Boston College days, high school days, and where you are presently, what would you say has been your biggest lesson? Hmm. Or lessons, if it's more than one. A biggest lesson to literally, hmm, how do I put this? My biggest lesson would probably have been to just live, <laughs> live and learn, honestly. There, something about Virgos, even though it's Virgo season, is that we tend to be perfectionists in everything that we want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't go very well, but, and once you figure it out, you kind of just learn to take things in small strides, whether it's your relationships with people, whether it's uh, how you handle your, your job, your business, your creative endeavors. Like, it, it's all about, like, looking at the big picture and not just focusing, like, nitpick on, on details too much. My work is very detailed. Sometimes the way that I talk can be very detailed and I'll lose my train of thought because there are so many details I feel like need to come out. But it it's definitely something to just, you know, just like be in a moment and learn and and just take things in slowly so that you like you can formulate a better, bigger picture in your mind of how everything is going. Um, yeah, I'd say that's the biggest thing that I've learned. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, it's, it's hard because I think a lot of artists, you know, they tend to be in their head, yes. you know, a lot. And so I think that's a great reminder to like, just, you know, be in the moment, like, yes, you can stress. Yes. You, you know, there are going to be opportunities that, 
you know, you are stressful and aggravating and, and causes anxiety, but to just, you know, work through it, breathe through it. Mm-hmm. Literally breathe. Yeah. Mm. What advice would you give to emerging artists? Those who are watching right now who are either students or in the fields right now um, working towards, you know, hopefully to do a, um, a, you know, a live action or a comic or manga, what would you say for, to them? Okay. Well, besides what we just talked about not too mm-hmm. long ago, I would say that the time to start is now. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of opportunities to many different kinds of creators have opened themselves up. Um, you, you do have the Panini, the Pazuzu, and the Parallelogram <laughs> to <laughs> thank for that. Um, it like it it just is. It's been a very um, it's been a very good year per se for creatives. Mm-hmm. Um, more and more people are realizing the importance of having us around on Earth to make the content that they want to see. Um, mm-hmm. And right now, it's more of a it's like the most of a testament to if you want to do it, Nike commercial, just do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you have to start somewhere. Of course, you need you need to plan it out. But like now is the perfect time to start. If you have an idea, it doesn't matter where like where you come from, like you are like you can like if you have an idea in your head, you, you should start doing it now. Right. One thing I wanted to definitely ask, you know, as a as a female, right, as a woman, as a woman of color, you know, navigating a space that has been historically predominantly white male. Um, with the exception, of course, of in Asia, um, how has that been? How has that experience been navigating through that process? Hmm. I'm gonna take my helmet off for this one. Give me one second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. There we go. Hey, girl. Hello. <laughs> All right. As a female in this creative industry it is crazy um you you kind of learn like the ins and outs of how to deal with people in the higher ups because it is a predominantly like male-based industry Mm -hmm. um you earn respect it's a little bit harder to but nevertheless the way that you get places is that you have to earn the respect of Mm -hmm. people who are in the higher up positions by putting yourself out there, by having a presence, like by literally demanding from people, this is what I want. This is what I can bring to the table. Like, let's do this. Like you can't, you can't be shy about things as a woman, especially a black woman. Let's be real. Like you have to be, you have to have the go-getter mentality for everything that you want to do in order for it to be um, a thing. So yeah, that, that's what I would say. Yeah. No, thank you for that. Because I think, you know, there's a lot of folks, especially now, I mean, you mentioned earlier how it's a great time and it's true because you have um, avenues like, you know, BlurCon and other places who are, who are for, that it's open. It's predominantly for, you know, people of color, for black people um, where they didn't have that. I mean, having gone to conventions with Stan in the past where literally it's, you know, the universal head nod whenever you see another person of color, because everybody knows it's like, you know, it's few and far between. It's not that many of us. And so, you know, and everybody's experience is different, but the common, (laughs) the common core is, you know, we know the struggle. And so to have that and share that with us, you know, we appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. For sure. So, Here's the question that, you know, like uh, is oftentimes tough for a lot of the, the creatives we, we speak to. And that's because most of the creatives we've had on this show are multi-talented. They may be known mostly for the one thing, but it's the, the wide variety of talents that they have that have fueled them in general and helped them get where they are. So that being said, as a multi-talented artist, Uh, and discipline artists like if you had to only choose one thing that you could do for the rest of your life (laughs) which one would you choose and why 
That's a terrible question. I know, <laughs> I know it hurts so bad. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> if I had to choose one thing I could do for my life, mm -hmm. what if I had two answers? <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever answer you go with first, that's going to be the real answer. Look, whatever the first one is, is the real answer. It's not that's what you expected, right? right? Whenever we tell people, whenever we say, you know, we have a very, this is a tough one, you know, people brace themselves and then they're like, ooh, that really is a tough <laughs> right. one. Right, yeah. Hmm. I know. Okay. I know. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Honest. You want my honest. Yes. Okay? Always. I would just stick to my, my manga. Like, mm -hmm. literally. I, like, it. it is the thing that means the most to me. It yeah. is the story that I want to tell the most with my art. So mm -hmm. I would stick with it. It would be a harder path to go down because it is actually a little bit harder to do things like create a manga and make it go viral without the monetary funds that are backing you up on the side, which I get mm -hmm. normally from my business. Mm -hmm. But I'd still do it because I feel like it has more worth than any of the other things that I've been doing. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's tough, man. Like, you know, we, we that's something we think about a lot um, because, you know, all of us like have a wide variety of things like Shell is, um, you know, has a background in fashion design. But but now is I'm doing a lot of film work and stuff. Right. And like and then me, of course, most people know me for music, but my foundation is visual art. And if I never did vis uh, visual art, I likely wouldn't have gotten into music, you know, so. Yeah, it's man, it's tough. It's tough. But uh, I think, you know, it's something we all kind of think about because, you know, there are moments that happen in our careers where the, you know, one of the, the skill sets that you have becomes the main thing. There's almost everyone has that moment. Um, and depending on your level of success, it may even get to a point where you don't have time for anything else. And, um, you know, we're just trying to I guess, like in asking that question, not just uh, getting the artists who we're talking to, um, thinking about it, just, you know, getting the, the audience to consider that, right? Like, mm. you know, how good with that are you really going to be? Because if you get that one quote unquote dream job and they got you working 80 hours a week. And it happens. <laughs> yeah, right. it absolutely right. does. So, Will that yeah. sustain you? Yeah, for real. Yeah. For real. You know, before we wrap up, I, I wanted to ask one last question, which is, you know, I find it interesting that um, a lot of creatives are also educators. And I know you have a background as an educator as well. And so what do you think has been um, the most rewarding part of being an educator and how that how does that influence your art? Knowledge is power. Yeah. My family stands by that 100 percent. Almost all of us are educators. Mm -hmm. I now believe it, even though I didn't want to kind of become a teacher and I still want to do my creative thing. But yeah. being in education has really helped me understand working with different people. Mm -hmm. And if you're an artist and you're stuck in your head all the time and you, that means you're really only focused on you, you're not mm -hmm. really seeing things from other people's perspectives. Yep. Mm -hmm. And the the job that I currently have now, it's not a teaching position. However, you can still teach with it. It still has its teaching moments. Mm -hmm. um, I work as a paraprofessional for District 75 in New York City, mm -hmm. and it has been amazing. Honestly, I, I never thought that I would learn so much from the, the staff that I work with, but also the students who I work with. Yeah. That's a whole different other perspective, teaching uh, kids with special needs, like getting to see how they view the world. Mm -hmm. um, that's also very valuable. And not a lot of people have patience or the want to see things from other people's perspectives. But it is such an important thing to be able to do to connect with a broader audience. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Sure. We appreciate you for your service. <laughs> well hun thank you so much for doing this this was great i think it was very informative i think it's very beneficial for anyone who's listening it was beneficial for us Absolutely. you know learning more about your creative journey 
Um, we, of course, wish you nothing but the best. I know mm-hmm. you guys have the inside scoop. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll wait for that. Mm-hmm. But um, no, thank you so much. This has been an honor and a pleasure having you on the show. Right back at you. Thank you guys for having me. <laughs> yes. I've never even done something like this. So this is the first hey. time that I've done. Thank you very much. Uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like dropping bombs. <laughs> right. That's what's up. Well, no, we appreciate you for making time. And before we go, um, like, are there any, like, any things that you want to end with? Um, give folks heads up on um, anything. We'll, we'll go ahead and put the... Uh, ticker back up there so everyone knows where to find you but please close us out (laughs) i'll just say well if you want to know more about the things that i do that we do you know follow us like follow me on on uh, all my socials i have uh instagram and twitter both the same katie fox uh check out animal arithmetic check out the website animalarithmetic.com uh you will love what you see and uh yeah like (laughs) I I um I hope that you enjoy what we have coming for you in the next few days. Yay! 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 Absolutely, absolutely, and shout out to um everyone in the chat. Uh, one of our collaborators on the album for Animal um, Arithmetic, uh, Malcolm Jackson, is in there. Hey, Malcolm! Uh, hey, Malcolm! You know, shout out to um Stephanie Gale. Shout out to her. Uh, also got uh, Raycon, aka Serena. Say uh, you're doing amazing, wifey, and um, <laughs> and we own uh, Winona. Sorry, I'm about to say your name wrong. Uh, Simon, all of you, Paulie Rhyme, who stopped by. We appreciate everyone for stopping by, checking out the video. Now the best. Uh, yes, absolutely. Be sure if you uh, if you haven't liked the video already, um, make sure you do that. Please share it. Um, you know, with the different people in your network and consider uh, subscribing to our channel. If you enjoyed this interview, we've had the pleasure of interviewing a lot of amazing other artists, uh, visual artists, musicians, um, authors, like all types of creatives, uh, most of which are full time creatives um, who are making a living, um, you know, living out their dreams, basically. So definitely worth checking out. I'm sure you'll find much more gems and all that good stuff. And we're also on all of the uh, podcast platforms. You can stream our podcast as well. This podcast, uh, this particular episode will be available uh, starting tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. So definitely stay tuned because we have a lot more um, cool content coming up. And um, there was something else I wanted to point out. And I'm, I'm having a moment, you know what I'm saying? I'm having a senior moment oh, already. I feel oh, like gray. 25 oh, gray hairs gray. just popped oh, up pop. as I was trying to remember. <laughs> but it's it's all good. But thank you again, sis. We're going to get ready to close out. Um, but uh, thanks for being on the show, and we'll catch you all next time. Peace. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Artistry, where art meets industry. This podcast has been brought to you by Substantial Art Music. For more information, please visit www.subartmusic.com. You can also follow us on social media at Subart Music. We'll see you soon. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.